Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Our next interview is brought to you by the Fit Warrior brand, proudly serving boxing's next generation of stars since 2016. Go check them out at ftwr.com. It is time now to bring in our guest here on Inside Boxing Live. You know the face, you know the voice, and Jim, this kind of reminded me of March 1995, and I think you'll appreciate this as being a Michael Jordan fan. The facts that said, I'm back, <laughs> because <laughs> you are back, and uh, it came really out of nowhere. You're going to be uh, signed on with Triller for their June 19th edition uh, with Teofimo Lopez headlining, and Jim, uh, welcome back. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Um... And uh, you've already spoken to your dad, and I'm, you know, appreciative to you and him and uh, your whole family. Uh, and and so um, it's it's going to be interesting. I uh, I'm going to look forward to finding out whether I can still do this. And uh, I don't have any doubt about how committed I'll be to it because I've been watching the fights with a lot of interest all the way through. Uh, the pandemic, and uh, most particularly in the past few weeks, as I knew that it might be possible that I would uh, get an opportunity to do this again, and comes at just the right moment. Really excited, very excited to be calling the Ring Magazine Fighter of the Year in the main event of my first card back. Now, you say that you, you want to see if you still have it, and that's amazing to me. Someone that's as established as you is you know, regarded as one of the best to ever do it, but to still have those doubts, do they really linger in you? Or are you just being humble? Um, it's been two and a half years since I've called a fight. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't probably don't realize that. But HBO left boxing behind as of uh, December 8, 2018. So that's all of 2019, all of 2020, half of 2021 that I have gone without calling a boxing match on the air. Uh, so now I'm not going to tell you that when I'm watching them, I'm not thinking to myself about, you know, what I might observe and what it is that I'm looking at, but that's not the same thing as sitting there with an expert commentator and a monitor and officials around you and a producer in your ear and a director trying to play to what you're saying, et cetera. That's a whole, a whole different trip. Yeah. So, um, I don't doubt for a second that there might be some, <laughs> reorientation in doing it, even though I did it for 45 years, basically in various different sports and various different situations. So there should be a lot of reflex and muscle memory left in it for me. You know what this sounds like? It sounds like a fighter coming back. Well, yes, but without the <laughs> chance to train. Uh, no sparring? And, <laughs> no sparring. I mean, maybe, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've talked to some guys, but yeah. uh, the bottom line is um, uh, I'm getting a month or so, uh, a few weeks really to focus in and um, try to remember exactly what it's like to sit in front of the fight and call it and and get ready to do it. But, you know, the, the first fight I called was February 22, 1986, mm -hmm. Mike Tyson against Jesse Ferguson in upstate New York. I'd watched boxing growing up. I was a fan of boxing all my life, but I had never sat in front of a fight and tried to determine what it was I wanted to say 
to a live national audience uh, on the air about it. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I can still remember kind of feeling my way along with the help of the expert commentator, Alex Wallow, who taught me a lot about how to see boxing until Tyson threw the uppercut. Of course, anybody who watched that fight <clears throat> will never remember anything about my call because what they'll remember is Mike in the post-fight interview talking about how um, the purpose of the uppercut was to drive the opponent's nose bone into his brain. Yep. That was the, you know, the first moment we realized what an incredible quote machine he was going to be. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the fundamental reality of this is I was long ago taught uh, great game, great telecast, bad game, bad telecast. Yep. The, the question of whether I'm any good on the night of June 19 is going to depend to a large degree on the quality of the attraction in front of me. Mm -hmm. If, uh, if Lopa, Lopez and Cambosos uh, give us a great fight, then I'll probably be great. Or at least that'll be that'll be the perception. Oh, yeah. I'm fully expecting, you know, Tiafimo to hold up his end of the bargain. As you just said, Ring Magazine Fighter of the Year. Cambosos is a little bit more uh, or less unproven. I know he's a mandatory. Uh, we'll get into that fight in a second. But how much did you miss it? It's been so, so, you know, like you said, it's been December 2018. I have to imagine this is the longest you've ever went. I don't think the last time we spoke was at the beginning of the pandemic. And you said you were holding court at, uh, you know, restaurants and bars talking sports. But this has got to be the longest you've ever gone, right? Well, I held court until March 11 of 2020. Right. And then I course. stopped. Then I stopped holding any court whatsoever. <laughs> and, uh, and I have to say that my wife and I spent um, pretty much a whole year indoors mm -hmm. and uh, and uh, talking to each other. And fortunately, she's a great fight fan. Um, but there, you know, there weren't all that many boxing matches going on during uh, uh, once we got past the middle of 2020. And um, it was like anything else. Find other ways to uh, speak to yourself and continue growing and, you know, yeah. continuing having something meaningful worth living for. Uh, but all the time deep inside, I know that I was thinking to myself, I didn't choose to end this fight calling thing. Um, the universe chose to end my involvement in that fight calling thing. And that's not really fair to my way of thinking. It should be my choice. So I think what we're about to do with, uh, with this first fight on Triller and uh, the privilege of Lopez Cambosos is to find out um, if I can still be driven by what a tremendous privilege it is and still have the same interest and love in the fighters and the game itself that I've always had. And I think I will. Yeah, I think so too. Fans are pumped. Fans are pumped. I know you're not a Twitter guy, but uh, the minute this hit the, tri the the airwaves, it was universal. And it takes a lot to bring the boxing Twitter together. I mean, it's either, uh, you know, it's just weekend. Nonito Donaire is a fighter that brings boxing Twitter together. Hearing your voice, seeing you on a telecast is going to bring a lot of joy to a lot of boxing fans. And I think that's, uh, you know, an ode to you and all the, the hard work you put in uh, over the years. But can you take us through how this came about? You know, did Triller contact you to contact Triller? I know some fans... Uh, are interested in those types of things. When did these talks begin? Um, Triller, uh, uh, without going into a lot of detail, mm -hmm. I'll just say that one thing that very strongly motivated me to, to take this deal is that they showed enormous enthusiasm. They made up their minds. Uh, they expressed very clearly that they want to have a top shelf legitimacy based telecast um, and, uh, 
and they made very, very clear how badly they wanted me to come and, and be at the center of all that. And it's nice to be wanted, you know, uh, when you've been sitting on the sideline for a while, I'm not going to say I was desperate. I most certainly wasn't, but I did kind of, if we're going to take up the discussion, I wanted to hear somebody say to me, yeah, it's important that we have you. And, and Triller did a very good job of that for which I'm appreciative. Okay. Now with Triller, I'm sure you've been well-versed on this is their last broadcast did not look like a traditional boxing broadcast. There was weed smoke. There was drinking. There was profanity. There was things that would make even the, the hardened people blush a bit. Um, did they talk about that? Would you be a part of some, would you be comfortable calling those types of fights? Or is there, is there something worked out where you're only going to be calling cards like June 19th, which from what I've heard is going to be nothing like the last one. So Dan, <laughs> you're, you're, you're telling me that they put something on the air that was reflective of the reality of the event that they were covering. Can you believe it, Jim? Demonstrated the actual environment in which the fight was taking place. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Right. You and know, boxing how, too. How will we ever survive that? <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, I think in many areas of entertainment media, whether it's live sports or entertainment, uh, documentaries, et cetera, et cetera, uh, we're seeing more and more boundary breaking and freer use of cameras and microphones and people recognizing that reality is reality. Um, we saw a documentary about Mike Tyson on network television the other night that employed animation and uh, superhero type uh, pyrotechnics to, uh, to try to advance its, its message. Um, it was a, a new method of storytelling that wasn't exactly like anything we've seen before. So um, I'm in no way embarrassed or taken back that Triller might run into profanity or something that looks like visual vulgarity, et cetera, et cetera, outside the ring. Right. My job is gonna be to call what's in the ring. Right. And, and that's where my commentary is going to lie. And I hope that's where people's opinion of what we're doing will most center because the, the, the heart of the idea is to make good fights and put them on the air. Well, yeah, that's the main thing is the product, the product that's in the, in the ring. So basically what you're saying is you're gonna be hanging out with Snoop. He's an old buddy of mine. <laughs> um, we, I, I won't mention the name of the program, but there was a, a program that was being considered and put together a long time ago and they were shuffling through a lot of talent options. And there were a couple of days when Snoop and I wound up on the set together wow. and we got along very well. We uh, you know, spent time talking with each other. I don't know for sure, but I fantasize in my mind that maybe <laughs> Those minutes that we spent together on a set a long time ago may have informed some of the decision for them to come to me uh, as enthusiastically as they did. I hope that turns out to be the case. But either way, it's going to be great to see him again. Yeah. I mean, you know, Snoop is now, I can remember when Snoop was Snoop. He's so mainstream now. Yeah. It's like, you know, your favorite box of cereal. Uh, nobody can find any way to be offended by Snoop walking along the beach with, you know, <laughs> bottles of corona to yeah. pass out to everybody it's just too cool yeah that commercial plays over and over and over it shows how much time we're spending inside right we see that commercial 100 percent. but snoop exactly. is like an ambassador to boxing he's a legitimate boxing fan i've caught a lot of his interviews you know he's taken a, a likeness to al bernstein he, he appears on he knows his stuff like he's not just 
you know, he's a huge sports fan, as you know, you guys are buddies. So yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, he's, you know, adding his expertise and adding what he thinks is going to pop. It is going to be a concert of some sort uh, on June 19th. So it's, it's going to be great. Um, lastly, in terms of the, the business side of things, I know there, uh, some of the quotes that I've seen today is, you know, just focusing on, on June 19th. Is there any, anything beyond that that you'll be associated with, Triller? Uh, I'm expecting to call more than just one fight with Triller. Okay. Uh, I, I'm expecting to have enough of an experience for their side and my side to get to know each other and figure out how to go forward. Cool. Uh, and now, who are you going to be calling the fight with? I know Al Bernstein was on the last show. There was also a Showtime card that night, so I, I don't know. But I'm just saying, let's just say Al can't do it. There's a guy I'm pretty sure is out there who's used to be pound for pound best. He may have worked with them for many years. He goes by the name of Roy Jones Jr. Can we see that? Can we make that happen? Uh, anyone who knows me knows how much I'd love to work with Roy again. I, I was brought up to speed today on um, some supposed conflicts, but, you know, I don't know anything about that and whether it could play a role. I've heard some other names also. At this moment, I could not tell you that I know for sure who the expert commentator is going to be. I didn't know at the beginning. I did not know at the beginning of today that this announcement was going to be made today. <laughs> so, wild. you know, we're we're improvising as we go. Love it. Um, wow. Uh, in terms now that it's out, you know, did you get any? I know I got a lot of text messages. I'm sure anyone that you like to share in the boxing world that said, "Yay, welcome back, Jim." Well, everybody, you know, promoters, fighters, uh, just to hear from Bernard Hopkins again. It's it's always a joy. Uh, I miss him. We had so much fun working together on my show, The Fight Game. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was thrilling just to, you know, trade a couple of shots back and forth. <laughs> hey, how you doing? How's your daughter? That kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's been a wonderful day in that regard. And just reminds me that uh, it's a big fraternity. It's a very loyal and internally supportive fraternity. Uh, boxing fans fight in the ring and fight in front of the public. And then they uh, reach out and touch each other with love and respect at a moment like this. Yeah. It's beautifully said. I mean, it's going to be a great night, June 19th. There's going to be some former HBO people in the truck as well, uh, which uh, aren't household names, but to, you know, someone like me and people in the business, that's, that's great to see some people getting together and just going back to 2018 and HBO boxing put together a, a dinner at a, at a restaurant in New York City where everyone gathered, everyone, Ross Greenberg, all the way down to, you know, you know, the techies to everyone. And you gave a speech. I don't know if you obviously remember this. And there wasn't a, a dry eye in the building. And to get to where we are right now, do you, do you feel like it's been a long two years or do you feel like, you know what, I'm just, I'm, you know, this is, I'm just ready to, to do it? It's been a long two years. And, you know, and that alone is, is enough to make me eager to get back out and, uh, and get into doing it. Um, and there's a lot about preparation for the work and the, you know, um, homework and, uh, and information that goes into getting ready for the fight that rejuvenate me as a person and as a performer. Uh, I mean, sometime between now and June 19th, I'm going to go back into that mode of thinking about what it is I'm saying and listening to it while it's coming out and thinking, okay, is that good? Is that is that stupid? <laughs> How are you doing here, dude? Uh, and and that's always part of the process. And that's something I haven't been involved in in two and a half years. Jim, I got to tell you, that blows my mind. 
It blows my mind that, that that someone of your stature can still have that. Just shows that you're human. So any broadcasters out there. Yeah, you know, I mean, any Jim human Lentley. being. You know, I, I mean, I think all of us in certain situations are dealing with the people in front of us and the situation in front of us. And then there's some inner voice that's saying, what a jerk you are. Can, can, can you believe you just said that? How are you going to dig that one out? You know, it's better. That happens. And, yeah. and it's uh, and it's human nature. And I look forward to that part of the experience, too. Well, fans have missed you so much. You can pretty much insult their mothers at this point and they wouldn't even take offense to it. That's how much they want your back. And it's, it's wild. I'm telling you, I have a pretty good idea of what the pulse of the boxing fan and what's being discussed and, and what's, you know, what's good and what's not. And they're very excited to see you back. And uh, I am as well. Uh, grew up in the HBO boxing family, you know, going to fights. And I was like five years old. It was, you know, you and, and George. And uh, Larry, who uh, had Larry hit you up today? Did Larry get the news? I have not spoken to Larry today. <laughs> he's going to uh, get that news. And Larry's a little bit. He's he's got lots of things going on in his life. Uh, I promise you. No, uh, a long time ago, an actor friend of mine in Hollywood. I was talking to him at, at a moment of professional disappointment, and he said to me, "You should always remember that longevity is lovability. You hang around long enough, yep. you've really got no choice other than to to like you." And I think I've been very privileged to have hung around as long as I did in boxing. I mean, 30, 31 plus years from the first fight I called on ABC to the, the last fight uh, I called on HBO. And uh, so that was that's the kind of privilege that, you know, you kind of set up residence in the viewer's mind. And and I got that privilege with boxing fans. So this will be like going back to the front door and knocking on the door and saying hey remember me <laughs> remember me jim lepley it's wild yeah. it's actually blowing my mind now that we're talking about it remember me? i call i call fights yeah. <laughs> and you did with a passion too that you, that you can't replicate you talk about 30 years in boxing that's like dog year i mean boxing years are not normal years that's like that's like 200 <laughs> 300 years it's such a wild wild business if anyone knew the half of what goes on behind the scenes in the boxing world it's it's the wild west so and 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 consider this consider this my friend mike tyson was <laughs> fighting was fighting professionally before i ever called my first fight okay yeah. because getting ready to do that was partially about covering him uh and my friend mike tyson fought after i called my last fight yep <laughs> in, in that you know, raging battle against Roy Jones. Uh, so it's possible <laughs> to last even longer than Jim Lampley did in, in the sport of boxing. It's absolutely nuts. Mike, Mike Tyson in a ring. Wild. But let's talk about well, quickly before I let you go. I know you're busy. There's some big fights coming up on the horizon, and, and I'm sure that you're well-versed on them. Pacquiao Spence blew everyone's mind when that was announced. What was your initial reaction to that? Well, Manning must need money again. Uh, that was my first assumption was, you know, all the political campaigns and the family obligations and the various things that Manning nobly takes care of, at least from his perspective uh, in the Philippines. Um, my, and I hope it's not too jaded and sarcastic and cynical of me, but my first thought was Manning must need money again. Um, and then, you know, other than that, uh, the logical that Spence is younger, bigger. Um, if he has regained all of his, you know, um, physical talents in the wake of a cataclysmic automobile accident, 
then this is a fight that Errol Spence should win just on the basis of younger usually beats older in that kind of confrontation. Electra George Foreman and Michael Moore. That was unusual. And, you know, the one thing I always say to people about that is that uh, fighters taught me a long time ago that the last thing you lose, yep. particularly for a heavyweight, is punching power. That, you know, you may usually lose your foot movement, your, even your ability to take a punch, variety of different things. But if you can whack, you can whack. And, and George at that moment could still whack. And of course, you probably know the whole story. I'm sure I've told it uh, with you before about how I spent months at ringside working with him saying, come on. I mean, how are you going to find Moorer? Holyfield couldn't find him. And he's a far better mover than you are. And George kept telling me over and over, you watch. At a moment sometime late in the fight, he's going to come and stand in front of me and let me knock him out. Those are the exact words he used. Let me knock him out. And if you watch the video, watch how Moore goes and stands in front of him and lets him knock him out. It's absolutely uncanny to watch. Is that your favorite call? Yeah, that's that's probably it was purely spontaneous. It was, you know, in no way planned. It was it was literally me watching George. I mean, excuse me, watching Michael there on the canvas watching Cortez with the count, realizing that Michael wasn't going to beat that count. He was gone, thinking to myself, how come you didn't stay up late last night thinking about what to say if this moment <laughs> took place? Why did you not create some really useful script? And yeah, then and I, I thought to myself about George telling me all that months that this was going to happen. And what came out of my mouth was it happened. It happened. So it's purely spontaneous and it's, it's succinct and it tells the story. It was a good call. It was a good call. I, I enjoyed that one. It's a great legendary nights. Go check it out on YouTube. And I wish that they would put legendary nights on HBO max. So they didn't listen to my tweets, but yes, Jim, I the same, the same producer who produced uh, the last dance, the Jordan uh, bulls documentaries produced that particular legendary nights. Wow. The Foreman Moore Legendary Nights. Jason wow. Hare. He's the best. That that I went just went back and rewatched the last dance again so I could pick up on more stuff, but it's great. Yeah, that's how we started this interview talking about Michael Jordan. That's how we're gonna end it. Jim Lampley is back June 19th, triller pay-per-view, Teofimo Lopez, George Camposos. We're happy to have you back, Jim. It's 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 surreal to me to sit here and, and talk to you about the fight game. I know how much you love it, and uh I just can't wait for June 19th. Thank you, and thank you to the whole Canobio family, and uh, and thank you for everything that CompuBox has meant to me over the years. You know, I think that uh, I've been the most um, ardent advocate uh, on television for what you guys do because I have the privilege of having seen exactly what your analysis is going into fights and seeing the number of times that you are totally on target using a computational model using a model of counting punches and predicting things that people might not have thought you could. I think, you know, you've given a great contribution to boxing. I appreciate that. It goes to Bob Canovio and it goes to Lee Groves who writes those analysis, who does just a, a phenomenal job. And we can't thank you enough at CompuBox. We know who helped put us on the map all those years at HBO. So we're very appreciative. I'm appreciative as a second generation punch counter, Jim, 
Thank you very much. And uh, June 19th, you're back. All right. See you then.